Welcome to Studio of the Future. 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 Coffee cans. That sounds great. <laughs> coffee sounds great. <laughs> Do you want some coffee on this very cold day? No, no I'm good. <laughs> Do tell people what happened when you, you arrived today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, for some reason, I went to the wrong street, mm-hmm. and um, and it was 1701, and it was, you know, I was like, okay, I'm here. And because uh, it's white knuckle driving in Austin, it I mean, is. Like, yeah. People are crazy. Mm-hmm. Where, where are the hippies? I don't know. Gone. They're all with you now. <laughs> yeah, they're around. <laughs> yes. Well, so you called yeah. and you said I'm here, and I was like, okay, well, I'll come to the door. But you heard me say, I heard you say, well, come on in or something. And so anyway, I got out of the car and I, I just went up to this house and I opened the door and walked in, and and this man was on the couch <laughs> and this woman was in the kitchen. And a really open floor plan, and I was thinking, for a studio, this is so relaxed. And 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 the the guy gets off the couch. He goes, "Can I help you?" And I say, like, "I'm looking for Sarah. Who? Sarah?" And meanwhile, the dogs are running up to me and sniffing. And I was like, "Sarah Hickman." He says, "Well, I, where 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 are you trying to go?" And, I, and then I said, "This street." He said, "Oh, that's one up and around." I was like. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome to Studio of the Future. I couldn't believe it. I know. I could not believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And literally, I got as far as like toward their couch and the door was closed. <laughs> literally completely in their home. Well, I'm glad you didn't just yeah. like plop down and yeah. put your feet up. I was headed that way. It's like. <laughs> well, hey, everybody. I'm so excited about today. My guest today, you can already tell I'm giddy. I'm really happy she's here. And I'm going to. I'm going to leak something from Wikipedia right now about her. Hold on, here it comes. Terry Hendricks is a singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and independent artist from Texas. Her music belongs to the Americana genre, encompassing folk, pop, country blues, and jazz. To date, Hendricks has released 14 albums on her own Willery Records label, co-wrote the Grammy-winning song Lil Jack Slade by the Dixie Chicks, and in 2011 published a book, Cry to Laugh, the part that ain't art. In addition to writing and performing, Hendrix conducts songwriting workshops both inside and outside of Texas and has established a nonprofit community arts center in San Marcos, OU, Own Your Own Universe. You are something else, my friend, something else. <laughs> and I've been waiting many, many years to ask you this. Yes. And I'm, so I'm going to start this podcast off with this very serious question. What is up with goats? Oh, gosh. Okay, so... Um, it was around 1990. I met this woman by the name of Marion Williamson, and she's a was a fantastic finger picker, like uh, Mississippi John Hurt, Lightning Hopkins, and I love the way she played. And um, and I wanted to learn that style. And she said, um, "I'll tell you what, if you can help me with my goats, I'll give you guitar lessons." <laughs> and so it was Willery Farm is what it was called and uh you know sometimes you meet people that forever change your life and she changed my life and Mm -hmm. um and i worked for her and then i just really enjoyed the goats i just really did and it just became this thing like it was so hard at that time because i was working i was uh basically a full-time waitress and then um, getting started in music and I was milking those goats at four in the morning. And Is so, that the best time to milk goats? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I really have no idea why farming 
hours like that get started so early. Maybe it's cooler or maybe they produce better at that hour. I don't know. But it was just extremely challenging mentally and physically uh, to help Marion. And so I adopted goats because they're stubborn. You can't um, you can't make a goat do something that it wanted to. Goats are there to have their own mind. And I thought, well, better to be a goat than a sheep. Wow. <laughs> so that there you go. So, and and now you're way ahead of your time. Marty and I were talking about this earlier. Now goat yoga is all the rage. Yeah. So you could have goat yoga out at your place, right? I think that that's probably good for the people, not the goats. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't quite understand you it know, either. It's kind of like, I don't know, sometimes... Sometimes it's great to just let animals be animals. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe the goats like it. I don't talk goat. I noticed um, something that happens a lot to musicians who happen to be women, which is when we get compared to other musicians, mm-hmm. it's always female. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, and and those females are generally really wonderful musicians. Yeah. Nothing against them, but I think it's interesting that people don't per se hear a musician and compare them to a musician with a similar sound mm-hmm. instead of perhaps another female. Do you ever notice that? A lot of times I find people don't do their research. They'll, yeah. they'll get you in there and they'll uh, list another woman that's, yeah. you know, that's just, just maybe we look similar or maybe, you know, but, but I just don't have time. I really don't. I'm doing a lot of things and, and um, I'm starting to have more, less time in front of me than I have behind me. And if every minute matters, I don't want to waste my time on someone that doesn't do their research. Mm-hmm. To, you know, I mean, I'd rather spend my time helping a kid with epilepsy or helping doing a doing a workshop at the OYOU. Than, mm-hmm. So I kind of don't have patience for it anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, think- I mean, compare it like, like, do your research. I'm a music fan. Mm-hmm. If, if I, I mean, Tracy Chapman is a great example of that acoustic sound that the way the kicks were engineered, the way mm-hmm. the her voice to me without the vibrato is in the same style as maybe Suzanne Vega, even though they're not the same mm-hmm. or maybe in the same of uh, Iron and Wine, no vibrato. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of do your research that way. Yeah. Base it on yeah. sound. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, one of them with you was um, Cheryl Crow, and I thought I don't get that at all. No. Uh, you know, I no, because I, sometimes I sing like Marge Simpson, and she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, there's a good your hair i'll have to post a photo of your blue blue hair yeah 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 yeah, you know um yeah i mean that's crazy because she's a i mean there's a reason why she's uh yeah she's phenomenal yeah Yeah. multiple grammar Mm -hmm. grammy winner and i'm kind of pretty eclectic and just kind of doing my own thing you know Mm -hmm. nothing nothing against what i do but it's polar opposites i don't think they ever compare men to female musicians no they're not you know I can't think of ever reading a man musician being compared to a woman. And there's phenomenal women musicians. Why doesn't that happen? There's a a lot more scary women musicians around right now than than I'm finding scary men musicians. It's just, I think it's just going to be, continue to break down the the barriers. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the proof is in the recording and the proof is in the lyrics and the proof is in the delivery. But you're exactly right. I mean, now I'm, I'm more aware than ever of this particular type of perhaps double standard mm-hmm. that and I used to be blissfully unaware of it mm-hmm. but how did you come into music um I started writing when I was a kid like around fourth grade and then went into choir and then majored in music and uh, then from there just became a, a big music fan and I have to be totally honest um when I became an adult uh it was um Paul Simon 
um, Kate Bush. Mm. Um, you know, um, I also like the this album, the Goldberg Variations, which is nothing but harpsichord and the wild. But I just love the composition of it. And uh-huh. then I have to be you, very, very much your guitar style. You know, you you're doing uh, double headers as a duo with Paul Piercy at Caravan of Dreams, and no other woman was doing that. And uh, Tishy Nahosa, I loved um, the fact that she was singing in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Joe Ely, the way he his performance mm-hmm. style, mm-hmm. I I liked the way that that ride he would give an audience. Yeah. Um, and you, Terry Allen for the funkiness. Yeah. Uh, so, and then on other points would be. Um, you know, definitely Suzanne Vega, her her literary aspects of mm-hmm. it. And so it's really all over the map. If it's one vice I have is I, I, I still continue to spend a lot of money on music. I always have. I, I just I just can't get enough of it, you know. I don't think that's a vice because the end result is you. I know, but putting it on a credit card and then at oh, the end yeah. of the year. I mean, I literally this past year, I just was like, oh, my gosh, because my debt to income to ratio was off because <laughs> I was trying to get a loan. I was like, well, I'm going to take iTunes off and that'll solve that problem. Wow. You know, yeah. So are you listening to music when you're uh, driving to gigs or, or on road trips or how do you stay working at- in the art working like mm-hmm. this property is a fixer upper. So I like to listen to it when I'm working. And um, and then also sometimes I'm looking for a sound or something, and mm-hmm. you know. And now someone turned me on to this. I guess it's Sufi Stevens, and he's like wild, com- wicked, weird composer. No, no real, no verses or choruses really. It's mm-hmm. just this, and it's set to this crazy composition. So now I'll just like want to just get everything he has, and it's a vice, but it's also something that I kind of wish that I could control a little and I'm I'm having a hard time going to the streaming because I like to spend time with the project and streaming is a little too you don't own it Mm-mm. the internet does mm-hmm. and uh so yeah yeah don't get me started on streaming yeah and also there's something you know um I still like having tangible whether it's mm-hmm. vinyl or CDs and reading liner notes when oh, I was yeah. a kid I you know I'd read about different producers or different musicians and dream about working with those mm-hmm. people so I, I think a lot of people are missing that musical aspect. Oh yeah, right. There was a someone that won a Grammy, and I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. And he stood on that stage, and he said, um, "Can anyone remember who won a Grammy last year? It's because of the disappearance of liner notes." And mm-hmm. you think about songwriters, how we how we, knew, we came to find out who wrote contemporary songs and production and who played bass on that and who engineered it and who mixed it, who mastered it. That's how, as musicians, we found out who to work with Mm -hmm. and perhaps who not to. Yes. And who to give credit to. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a changing time Mm -hmm. in the, in the time since I've known you, those, I wish we could have said goodbye to those CD sales before they just went. It's like one day they were gone. (laughs) That was it. Yeah, what do we do with the CDs? It's like I don't I know. know. I mean, I'm getting rid of mine. That's what I'm. I'm are I'm, you? Yeah. How I are am. you? I've been trying to give them to nonprofits to use in their goodie bags or at the tables, but even mm-hmm. that's changing because the cars don't have the no. USBs. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. It's a, it's really an interesting time, but mm-hmm. I do I do think if you still love it, um, there's a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to finish this project. Started out with CDs, and then life got in the way of me finishing it. And uh, it literally did just just kind of just planted itself in the middle of the project. 
and now I'm at this thing where, you know, I've got to print CDs. When you used to do newsletters, would you mm-hmm. have friends over and you'd put the stamps on and yeah. you handwrite people's addresses? And yeah. Say, you know, that organic that approach of doing things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, so you were talking about collaborating with people or reading liner notes and finding out, you know, who the producers and engineers mm-hmm. were. So that leads me into the question of, so it was 1996, mm-hmm. $2 shoes. Yes. And I noticed it was remastered and remixed by mm-hmm. Lloyd Maines. Yes. And was that your introduction to Lloyd or had you heard about him before? It was because um, I felt like uh, there were some issues with it that, that to date, that will always be the most expensive production that I ever did because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what... Um, what the ethics should be in a studio so if equipment would break it was my dime you know and I didn't know Mm -hmm. I thought I was just so grateful somebody would help me you know which the lack of self-esteem can cost you so much money you you gotta have that Mm self-esteem because you know that lack of self-esteem got me in some real trouble at the beginning of my career and so out of that how did this collaboration with Lloyd was that where the birth of it was? Or? Well, there was a guy by the name of Bobby Arnold at Fire Station Studio. And um, I was, I had this really wild grassroots following that had just kind of taken off from playing a lot in Terlingua in San Antonio. It was like this, just by playing those tourist hotspots, it, it was organic distribution and I didn't even know it. And then I started to sell CDs through my post office box mm-hmm. and um just checks would come in and i'd ship and i and um so by the time i met lloyd i didn't even know who he was but bobby had given him a cassette mm-hmm. of songs that were going to be on willery farm and then i got a loan to um be able to have the studio and have lloyd work on it and i sold out of my little cds i'd been you know um doing cdrs mm-hmm. and or or whatever it was it was like this homemade thing and mm-hmm. And then uh, I looked at Lloyd. I was like, I don't really don't. Know, I don't know what I'm doing, but there's money coming in here, and then um, I don't want to get taken advantage of. But is there a way we could possibly make a business out of this? And so he looked at it, and he was like, Yeah, you know, it'll be no management, it'll be no publishing, it'll be no booking agent. Wow! But I think we can make a business out of it. So is this why you stayed on your own label, mm-hmm. just so you could control yes. your publishing, control yes. your licensing? Then that time, anytime something good came in, nobody got a piece of the pie. That's awesome. But it's also why I'm single. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I don't <laughs> and have no kids because <laughs> yeah, if you're doing a all of that, job. Yeah, 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 it really, it really, it really was. Um, and uh, then it just kind of went, or took off from there. <clears throat> but in retrospect, you know, I, um, I wish there could have been. Um, help, some help but it did seem like by the time once you start making money then people want to come on board and help you they don't want to help you when you need help at the beginning mm-hmm. so I needed help at the beginning so that by the time someone wanted to come on board it was going to be a big pay cut mm-hmm. and for what I mean I I was doing songs like Don't Pet the Dog you really want to market that and then or $2 shoes or and then have a sister song on there it was the yin and yang the mm-hmm. funny stuff the quirky stuff that you know, I mean, really, that's going to be on High Tone Records or Sugar Hill. You can't, what are you going to do with that? I mean, it's like, it just didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. She wiped her hands on her apron and she put them on her hips and gossiped till she turned blue. As I was walking by in my $2 shoes, I got my $2, my 
get the workload off of me but then go out of business mm-hmm. yeah and there's nobody in town here in austin or, mm-hmm. or that i've really heard of people that are trained to be assistants to musicians mm-hmm. you have yeah. to and you end up training your own you're an assistant to your own assistant mm-hmm. and that's time that you need to be doing being creative right. or doing what you need to do that yeah. you already know how to yeah. do so you were working really hard and you you have your own label and things are happening and you sat down at some point and created this uh, instrumental song that you want to grab me with the Dixie Chicks for. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, I had gone to see, Tina called and said, hey, I, there's an artist in town and I won tickets. It's Natalie McMaster. And I said, well, what, what is it? She said, well, she plays fiddle. I was like, man, that is one instrument that I have a really tough time with. You know, fiddle is just like, it's either great or it's just like, get something about the tones. Just okay, totally the tone. make me make me nuts. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know if that's something I can do. And she mm-hmm. says, well, I'd appreciate if you would. I said, all right. So, uh, <laughs> And so I went and saw Natalie McMaster. Man, I just, I was high as a kite. It was mm-hmm. so great. And her dancing and leaping. And she was so beautiful and graceful and mm-hmm. lovely. And I just loved it. And I came home and I wrote a fiddle tune. <laughs> on the fiddle so you play no, the fiddle I just wrote it I heard it and I was humming oh, it and, awesome. and it just kind of sat there mm-hmm. and then uh, and Lloyd was working with the Dixie Chicks in the studio and um, and he said they need an instrumental he said I'm going to see what they what, if, if they need something different than not, not a hoedown but mm-hmm. something different and, and he said well what do you think and I was like well I don't care I was like I don't play fiddle it's just sitting there you know I, I don't whatever you know i didn't get my hopes up or didn't think anything about it and then just luck they they recorded it it was just had i not been working with lloyd it wouldn't have happened you know so but um but we did we'd had other luck at that time but nothing on that type of Mm -hmm. you know yeah Yeah. there'd been other really cool things that had happened on Mm -hmm. with independent type of things and you know some stuff with ozarka it was, and I had a, some wonderful people helping in my office, so mm-hmm. things were just really great. Um, and that was, um, I remember February two thousand and three mm-hmm. was really was really great, mm-hmm. and um, and that happened, and and I'm so grateful. Um, I really am. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful because it was the first time I could just relax, you know. And I put money in the bank, and then October eighteenth, I almost died from epilepsy and had i not had the money in the bank i don't know what would have happened because it got it got real expensive really quick and that was a thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars i spent trying to get well thousands and so i'll always be grateful for that high i had and that a few months of peace and a few months of feeling like i'm self-employed but i've got savings Mm -hmm. you know i'm self-employed and i have a house and i have savings and and wonderful shows and and we're just we're hitting on all cylinders Mm -hmm. and this band is sounding great and Mm -hmm. i'm confident and i'm loving i'm loving the way things are sounding you know i feel like i'm growing as a musician and and then uh and then in april i could tell something was going wrong and, and was then, this your first time to have no, an I'd epileptic had it in seizure? Uh-huh. And then it came back, and 
it, it goes in and out of remission for me. Mm-hmm. Never been able to figure it out, but I know now because I did enough research. And it's a, I was born with a Chiari malformation at the base of my skull. Mm-hmm. The cerebral tonsils sit a little bit low. So sometimes um, what will happen is if I get a cold or a fever or allergies, um, it'll just kind of slam against my throat. Wow. And it'll create this... Or, or extreme hoarseness or visual effects. And then, and if it really gets out of hand, then I, I have seizures, the blood pressure drops. And then next thing you know, it's a, a, a seizure that'll happen. But I'm, I'm controlled with uh, medication, which mm-hmm. is great. But it took me a long time to find out that hardly any, med- hardly any medication, I stay in re- remission. But if you put me on too much, it it's going to Yeah. Mm. So it was a, a lot of money to, f- to figure it out. You know, and it's so weird to have such a high and then October thinking, you know, just be uh, blindsided. Know, yeah. Yeah. And I probably should have laid off the music for a while, but I didn't. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm sounding bad and I'm singing bad and, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to quit because I think I can get away with it. And I did. I'll just smile, you know, yeah. <laughs> and keep on working. So that's basically what, what I did, you know, until, until things got to the point where I had to, I had mm-hmm. to take some time off. You had no insurance and, or, or no, I was in people do high risk pool. It was a Blue Cross Blue Shield high risk pool, which was oh. over a thousand a month. And, but here's what's fun. People, People say, you know, they say, you know, that that risk pool, no, man. You know, if you need, you know, when you go on these seizure meds, you have to have your blood pulled a lot because they can hurt your liver. So mm-hmm. you can get your blood taken and your insurance will cover it. But if you need to go back within a certain amount of time and you run that through your insurance, they'll cover it. But then they'll turn right around and give you a bill for like three times what it would have been if you would just paid, paid out, out of cash. Pocket. Uh, they they determine, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for the generic. But, it, but epileptics, there's 20% variables, up to 30% on some of them, mm-hmm. trash generics. You need the real strain. You need the real drug. It's got to be consistent every month. Mm-hmm. If you vacillate twenty to thirty percent, you're not. Are you having a seizure because you're not consistent? Your, your meds are thirty percent mm-hmm. weaker. So Lamo tried. Uh, some of the meds were over a thousand a month. So I'm paying. That's what I mean by thousands of dollars. Gosh. And then the, the herbs. I started to try to do herbal, and, and then acupuncture, mm-hmm. and then at literally, you know. I would have died to get better, if that makes any sense. I just yeah. wanted to get better. I would have done anything, you yeah. know. So yeah, that that that's why um, that's why we like those of us that have pre-existing conditions. We we just cannot sit silently back because it's it's not health insurance. You think it is, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. catastrophic insurance, mm-hmm. but if you, it's not not going to help you um, with your health. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, yeah. One thing I, about Austin that I find really interesting is we have Ham, mm-hmm. you know, Health Alliance for Austin Musicians. And, you know, people have said, well, have you used it? And I said, well, I've done fundraisers mm-hmm. for Ham, but I'm one of those weird middle musicians, middle mm-hmm. income musicians where I couldn't use Ham when I needed it. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think people aren't aware of how, how much musicians struggle, especially when with something as catastrophic as what you've yeah. described. And we musicians always step up and do these 
these benefits for other musicians, which take away from our night to mm-hmm. be making income for our families. Yeah. And and everybody here steps up and does it gladly, but I don't think the public understands. That's why it's important to pay a cover when you come here yeah. or pay for a CD because we need that money and especially with health insurance costs. Yeah. So Now um, in 2008, um, it came back and once... Like you know, the the epilepsy issues rear their head again. When I had Blue Cross Blue Shield, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. If mm-hmm. I go, if I fly solo without them, then um, I think I can get better because I'm not I'm not paying them. I can sink that money into other areas mm-hmm. and be able to approach this in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, but what happened is once I did that, then I was couldn't get insurance again. So then I was uninsured. And then when it came back, I lost, had lost a lot of work. And then I qualified for ham. And then I had the best health care I've ever had uh, with Seton. The best care. And I was with them for a year mm-hmm. or two and then got back on my feet mm-hmm. and then let it go. Because I went back up in with the income and I, I just felt like, you right. know, it's, I need to do my, I did, I need to do my part. So mm-hmm. I'll always do Benefits for ham. Mm-hmm. I mean, because literally, they really helped me to to get well, and I'm I'll be well permanently now. I feel because of the way I the way I have it things figured out. But you know, but but yeah, they're that's marvelous. What we've done here could be the prototype for for our country, when and not ham just does, musicians. It could be yeah, it exactly. could be the prototype for our country. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean. What if there were tax breaks for people to do benefits uh, for our health care? You know what I mean? Like exactly. thinking outside the box. Yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. And it, it again, it's always a, a conundrum, especially if you're an up-and-coming musician mm-hmm. and you want to help Ham because at some point they may need to be a resource mm-hmm. for you. Uh, but again, if it takes away from your night and you're not making any money. So it's one of those things where... I really want the public to understand how great ham is, and I also mm-hmm. want them to understand about supporting musicians because it seems a lot a lot around here to me. You go to clubs now and that you pay for drinks, but it's a free night, and they pass the bucket. Yeah, you know, that's one thing about a benefit, and this is like, like um, the weight is the one this that really drove this home. If you're doing a benefit at a club, then why can't the bar? take with the the surplus that they have on alcohol sales and pitch in for the mm-hmm. benefit because mm-hmm. sometimes i feel like benefits benefit the club mm-hmm. and i know the bars have overhead but so do musicians my harp my harps now are like 48 53 a piece you know strings nothing's mm-hmm. getting cheaper mm-hmm. and now with streaming here it's time to to get real mm-hmm. and um yeah. and uh yeah, that, that yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, well, let's segue out of this much needed and serious conversation. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, let's segue into the harp because okay. I wanted to ask you. So you play a lot of instruments, and I was wondering is was that the most challenging instrument for you to uh, learn? And if so, how did it change you as a musician, or did it bring new aspects as you, to your musicianship and performance? And it won't be long Gonna look for me and I'll be gone Had a place in mind for a long, long time Hang around here I just love it, you know, you know. You can tell. Yeah, I just really love it. I like it a lot better than singing because if you can do it right, it can reach the notes that 
you're not you're only limited by what you know mm -hmm. whereas a voice sometimes depending on what you eat or, or how much rest you got or yeah, how much like, caffeine you, know you I mean? got in your throat and like yeah. with a harmonica it's just you can so i just i really love it it's not easy for me though i mean it's just really you no. make it look mm -mm. like ice skating like so easy no and i love where you are singing through while you're playing the notes and it's i was telling marty it's like the leslie effect you know on an organ it's it was we were all like sitting in the audience like what that was oh great yeah and it, did you learn that from someone or is that just something because i don't know much about the it harp. was by accident we were playing somewhere we were doing the song what is the color of the soul of a man and uh it was by accident and i just kind of did that and glenn goes yeah like, <laughs> glenn loves the rocking yeah. parts yeah <laughs> and it kind of reminded me a little bit of lloyd's pedal steel mm -hmm. when he hits when he, that distortion on mm -hmm. it like you know and yeah I thought, that first time he came on uh and i heard it on one of my records he yeah, did it like, i was like what is this sounds like a harley yeah. davidson showed up yeah, yeah so like trying to imitate that i really did put on some of the records and then see if i could imitate that by just singing through it you know just well by it's because you're using no other note. effects so it's yeah. really a cool effect because you're not hitting pedals or yeah yeah it's really I keep cool. wanting an amp but i'm i'm not going to do it because some of my favorite players don't do it and i almost feel like alternate tunings you know how you mm -hmm. can yeah. learn those alternate tunings and then maybe Maybe you get reliant, you're, yeah. you know, and then mm -hmm. you're tuning your whole show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. without an amp, you just kind of have to um, do your own, your own effects. Yeah. yeah and, so. and, that, and you know, that organic part of it, mm -hmm. the fact that, that it's something physically you're creating mm -hmm. yeah. is just, it's much more blunt, Never mind blowing. Never thought about that before. Watching thank you do you. it organically than if you'd hit a, stomped on a pedal. Oh, and, thank you. Yeah. No, don't switch it up, sister. It's good. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I don't want to carry an amp. <laughs> No. I know I, I was always envious of flute players. I have like one what? more thing to mic and one more thing to forget. And, you know. Yeah. How many chords have you left at a club? Right? You leave and you're like, oh man, I just paid twenty bucks for that chord. I know. Mm. I know. <laughs> I know. Have you ever had a really bad gig from hell? Like just something? oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I have. Um, sometimes the few of them have been on my on my own doing. Just having a side. Not having the side the self confidence or. Or not um, not performing up to my ability for one reason or another. Maybe not being prepared mm -hmm. as much as I should have been prepared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then some of them have not been my fault. It's you know been just for whatever reason. It's just not going to be not going to be good. It's mm -hmm. from the sound to breaking a string, like one thing after another, after another, after another. Mm -hmm. after, you know, <laughs> and it's like it's like have you ever had a performance nightmare? Oh where, yeah. You know you're supposed to be on stage and. And you're not, mm -hmm. and then you go to pick up your guitar, and there's no strings. Mm -hmm. I've I've had a few gigs in my career that have been <laughs> performance nightmares, but they've been in public. Uh -huh. But you know what? I didn't die. That's what yeah. I tell myself whenever yeah. something weird happens. It's like um, it's not going to kill me. No. And, and, and and you know what? If I look foolish, well then I look foolish. It's not the end of the universe. There's no. deeper things. No. The deeper things to think about, you know? Yeah. And don't you find, before I go on stage, if I think something really thoughtful or mindful or beautiful and just kind of um, self, self soothe, as they say, you know, like mm -hmm. I'll say, you're going to have such a fun show. Because I read one time that Bette Midler said, I always tell myself something great before I walk out in front of an audience. Oh, that's and great. And then I always have a great show. And once I read that and I started doing it, I noticed all my shows were great. And when I didn't take that moment mm -hmm. of self-reflection and love, mm -hmm. it didn't quite go as well. Even if it was a terrible show or the audience mm -hmm. was in a bad mood or the sound system was terrible, 
there is still that core of, I'm going to be okay. And this, yeah. this is the best I can do. And I'm going to do it as best I can right now. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Have you, oh yeah. That this is the, this is the best I can do. And I'm going to do the, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also view it different now, like kind of view it like, um, uh, just, uh, just bringing out some sort of good energy. You, that's it. That's my goal. You mm-hmm. know, leave people better than I found them in mm-hmm. some aspect with like create this attitude, create this good vibe and um and and just from the start to finish have a good vibe. Have a good vibe. You know. Yeah, you I will when I see you live and you've mm-hmm. always done this. I mean, I remember when I first saw you maybe in Right before I had Lily, maybe 95, mm-hmm. you were in somewhere on Congress downtown and you were playing um, the wallet song. Bend like a willow, flow like a reed, live like a bird. And the minute you walked up on the stage, you already had everybody captivated. I, I, you, I don't think you even said anything. I don't think some of the people even there knew who you were. But once you came up with that big smile and you're, you're so authentic, it, you could just feel this ripple effect of people connecting. And it's, it's so beautiful because they want to be on this ride with you. They want to hear what you have to say. And, and your songs have such a... They, they feel like old songs. Like I've heard them. Like I can immediately sing along with you. And every, but you just watch everybody. It's like an old friend has showed up, not only in your presence, but in your songs. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I mean, <laughs> it's true. That means a whole lot. That means a lot mm. to me. Yeah. That yeah. really means a lot to me. You know, uh, I don't take it for granted. I think coming so close means that, that I just don't take it. I just don't take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't take one day for granted. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I mean, I just and I don't don't take one show for granted. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier on. You know, I just I keep telling myself I, I I have this phrase, and I say it a lot to myself. I don't have time to jack around. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have time to jack around with the weird attitude when I play on stage, and I don't have a time to jack around with any weird gigs or anything weird. It's got to be. I'm there to do, the I'm there to create a great vibe and I only want to do things and work with people that are there to do that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a middle-class musician, so that's going to be harder to do in the future. Mm-hmm. No, no telling what's going to happen. But it's like what, what you in, uh, what you said about my music is why I, why I still do yeah. it. Let's talk about OU because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really fascinated about how it's got so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. So d- describe it to people who are listening who don't know much about it. Well, when the epilepsy came back in 2008, um, I had to cancel a lot of shows, a lot. And it, it had got to the point where it was hurting my reputation. And I thought, okay, well, then I need to I need to stop. Because, you know, we canceled Austin City Limits, but Glenn had lost his brother, but I also didn't have a voice. <laughs> we literally, you know, I told Lloyd, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm having, I'm not, I'm not in remission with this. And I don't think I can mentally get on that stage thinking about what if, you know. And you hadn't, you hadn't had a seizure on stage. No, no. Yeah, I had. Oh my. Yeah, I've had a, a few, but, but nothing that, not like the tonic clonic. And that's when you are completely that's when you're completely down, you know, and, you know, 98% of mine happen in my sleep. 
when I have them. Mm. And I have not had a lot of them, which is interesting. So the simple partials are your eyes or your mouth or maybe a word salad where literally you'll say something and it'll kind of come out backwards or a slur. Mm. And now I'm really familiar with what it is. But back then and, you know, in 2008, I, I still didn't have enough information to really understand, like, because the little little ones can lead to a big one, mm-hmm. and I started to lose my self confidence. Mm-hmm. So when it when it started to affect my work in that manner, I um I thought, well, I I want to help. Maybe I can be of service with teaching. I've always enjoyed it. So if I could get a building cheap, then I think the nonprofit's the way to go because it'll I'll get a building. The nonprofit dollars can buy it, mm-hmm. and then um, I can work real hard and have employment, and I can still do what I love, but just not perform. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's how it started. It started. It became a. It started in two thousand and eight, but became a nonprofit in two thousand and twelve. And then there, from there on, it it's changed a lot because I end up buying. I bought the property, not the nonprofit. Uh, I bought it because uh-huh. I didn't. I don't like to fundraise, and I just don't. I don't like to split hairs, and I mm-hmm. didn't want a building that I had to get up and go to a building and then come home. And by me buying the property, it's free and clear, and I can do whatever I want there. And the OIU doesn't pay a penny, uh-huh. you know. So I, I just, you know, I was able to get it from selling my house and then getting this property. It all worked, uh-huh. but um, so, so that's what it is. So we do, we work. I work with people with disabilities. Like right now, I've got, I've got this guy that. I feel he really feel like I can teach him to talk, you know, cause through the use of music. You know, like when you stutter mm-hmm. and you'll sing. So with autism, sometimes it's hard to form the words. And with epilepsy means that I, I have an upper hand on how the brain can work or not work and what can shut you down and what can't. So I created this atmosphere that's really, really good for the mind mm-hmm. and um, enable to do these programs. But other than with disabilities, we also do regular creative writing. Lloyd taught a guitar class. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Michael O'Connor coming in. He's a wonderful guitar player teaching a guitar class. This one woman's coming in, and she has dysphonia, which is which is a variation of the Chiari malformation. Dysphonia is literally this neurological disorder where your 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 you know your voice is supposed to your chords are supposed to bang together, mm-hmm. but with dysphonia, it's just kind of like a paralysis happens, mm-hmm. like just real quick. You know, you go to you go to scream, but it won't come out. You know, oh, my. or and she's a singer, and so that was horrible. She couldn't talk for a while or teach, and then she ended up getting her voice back. So she's going to come and teach voice um, for professionals or people that want you know finding your voice. So mm-hmm. they're all the workshops are all over the map. And then uh, is are the and the right songwriting the workshops property. too like the ones in Puerto I'm bring them home. Are they a part of that too? They're gonna come home. Yeah, this will oh. probably this. I'm hoping this is my last year doing that in Puerto Ranzas, and then I want to bring it. I want to bring everything home there. Yeah, which is why I also bought it. That way I can do for profit, and then then we can do non profit. So, so mm-hmm. it can, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So let's go back to relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, you're listening to music in your earbuds, or maybe you have loudspeakers out there, Uh I don't know. But you're listening to music and you're gardening. Is that that your joyful rejuvenation? Or do you take hot baths? Or what's your thing, like, when you have some downtime to rejuvenate? Because you're doing a lot of things. It sounds like a lot. I guess guess to some people it sounds overwhelming, but... But it's really not. I mean, just think about like rather than me get like dr- go to the airport and be on a plane 
that's nine hours, and then go play in Pennsylvania and get a rent car and then tour. And then, you know, so rather than take all that time, I take that time now and I have this land that I'm fixing. Mm -hmm. And then I have people helping me fix that land. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of just refocusing energy. So it sounds like a whole lot. And and I still play a whole lot of shows, but just kind of trying to trying to play figure them out where they make more sense. Mm -hmm. But not doing those really wild tours and um and and it's in a way been hard to let that go. Mm -hmm. But it, but you know, I'm not I'm not gonna sell out the Birchmere mm -hmm. in Virginia unless something really major happens. <laughs> then but I can't go out there to open for someone and I'm not and I Yeah, because you're not you don't want to fly all the way to get two hundred dollars to open for no, someone. Or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna yeah. go flying all the way to it, it's got things have to really make sense. Yeah. And so so it's just a lot more focused energy if that makes more sense. So it's well, uh, I, and then but then relaxing is literally getting out there that I'm in love with the land. It's like, it's so beautiful. It's so pretty. It reminds me of Napa Valley. It reminds me of, um, I'm, I'm up on a hill and the it's pasture grass and um, there's coyotes and there's owls mm. and birds and, you know, just snakes. I even like the snakes, like the rat snakes. snakes. So um, I just snakes really love it. So that's relaxing uh -huh. to, to me. Is to, I really love to be home. And yeah, it sounds like uh, you're right where you should be. Yeah, you know, you went on this journey, you're still on it, mm -hmm. but um, all the things you've learned and experienced have led you home. Yeah, and and you're really good at time management and you know what you want. You know, I don't I, know about the time management thing, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like squirrel and then I'm off, you know, <laughs> but uh, but I think I think it's it's kind of weird to wake up one day and say, you know, I feel like I really did take this touring as as far as I could and do I really want to put my epileptic brain in Newport Folk Festival or some huge thing that I can't control the elements you know and whereas here we could play Old Settlers Festival but I know what the stage looks like mm -hmm. and I, I I I mean I'm in remission but I still have it mm -hmm. and everywhere I go it goes mm -hmm. and I can drive and I have my life back mm -hmm. so I don't want to go stepping backwards by running myself ragged and yeah. that, that thing that's been really hard is is coming is finding peace with that and then just realizing I've got a great deal with this property and this land if I if I really focus that energy on that mm -hmm. but at the same time um, become a better writer and a better musician and and uh, you know just just get better with that yeah. like, and and see what happens with well, that you seemed when I saw you last time which was just a month ago you seemed so at peace oh, and you really I think you've really taken all these things that have been a tangle mm -hmm. and straightened them out and made them into a rope yeah I feel I feel really good about it all mm -hmm. you know I feel really good mm -hmm. I just hope that going forward I can make smart choices and don't fall back into entrapments of mm -hmm. getting out there on a plane when it doesn't make sense. Well, um, I'm going to ask you one more question. Okay. Um, this will be our closing question. Uh, all our guests can ask a question mm -hmm. of someone they've always wanted to ask a question to, and then it's my duty to try and go out and get that person to do the next podcast or a podcast and answer your question. Okay. So is there someone in particular that you've always wanted to know the answer to a question of yours? Yeah, I'd like to 
ask, I've known Bonnie Wentmore since she was just a little baby. So I'd like to know why Bonnie picked up bass. That's okay. a, an, you know, unusual instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a bass player and a guitar player and a singer. And I think she's a great musician. So I'm curious as to why bass. So well, we'll find out for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks for tuning in to Studio of the Future. I'm your host, Sarah Hickman. Our guest today was Terry Hendricks. You can hear and see bonus content at studiofthefuture.org. Thanks to Marty Lester for engineering, mixing, and editing at Everywhere Audio in Austin, Texas. We'd like to thank the Peaceful Pelican of Palacios, Texas, for being a supporter of today's program. This historical three-story waterfront bed and breakfast is right on the bay, including spectacular views, homemade breakfasts, and a comfy place to relax. Mention this ad and you'll receive 20% off your first booking. Visit them at thepeacefulpelican.com. Until next time, keep your mind and your ears open. 